Welcome to Untangling Relationships, a conversation between a counselor and a yoga teacher, a Gen Xer and a millennial, and a mother and daughter. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of relationships with your hosts, Janae and Penny. Hello. Hello. And we have two extra hosts today, our guests today. We are joined by Tina and Tori. So thank you guys for joining us. Before we hop into our questions, maybe just give a quick introduction so people know who's who and whose voice goes to what. <laughs> and also when we introduced this in part one, we talked about how we're business owners, what businesses we own, just as an intro as to how that's applicable to our conversation. Yep. So whoever wants to go first, you can go ahead and give a little bit of background information on who you are and maybe what your background and business information is. Okay, so I'm Tina. I uh, live in Idaho Falls and I'm part owner of Hilltop Wellness. We do wellness retreats and we collaborate with Penny and Janae in their businesses. Yeah, I'm Tori. I'm also part owner of Hilltop Wellness. I'm also the cousin of this trio, so we have that fun entanglement as well. Yeah, probably a good clarifying. <laughs> we are family. <laughs> we are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't say I'm a sister slash daughter, so. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll go ahead and hop into the first questions that we have. So the first question we have is, what made you step into building a business and what were some of your expectations around that? A loaded question, or a big question, I guess. I don't think we need to go in any order. All four of us can just kind of pop in with our feelings about that. Yeah. So, if anybody wants to go first. Any initial thoughts? Just that it was a lot harder than what I was expecting. I was like, oh yeah, this will be easy. And then you start like, with the retreat business, like, okay, we want geodobes, and here's this, and then like realizing how much money that's actually gonna cost, and then like having your dreams completely obliterated, and then rethinking how the plan is gonna go, and then just starting with tents. So it's definitely more of a process versus, I guess, more so than what you're thinking it's gonna be, and lots of emotions that go into that. Yeah, I almost feel like a good way of I think it's funny that you use the term obliterating your dreams. It's almost like shrinking your dreams to fit the reality of the situation that you're in right now with the hope that the more time, knowledge, and money that you have to put into the business, you can eventually reach that peak dream that you had. But kind of managing your goals and expectations around what it looks like initially feels a lot like you're obliterating that big dream. I guess maybe more like (laughs) slowing it down, taking like 10 steps backwards instead of just immediately jumping on a racehorse and thinking I can win the race. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of build up to that. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like we had such a great idea and everything was just going to fall into place and it was going to be wonderful and amazing. And then when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, it takes so much planning and It takes a long time to see traction for your idea, and it's kind of humbling. I personally had the idea of, like, it's such a great idea, it's just going to all fall together. We're going to sell out every time, it'll be awesome, but it's taken a lot of work to get where we are today. So that was kind of an expectation leveler. 
This reminds me of a conversation uh, Janae and I had just this morning about how all of learning maybe doesn't have to be running fast, making mistakes, and then rethinking. And I don't remember your exact wording around that, but it was um, something similar to that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was talking about how some <laughs> so some background on the situation is we've spent all of today recording the audio and video aspects of our online course, which hopefully, you know, here in a few months, if you're listening to this, it'll either be coming out soon or is already out that online course. And the aspect of recording video and recording audio, getting all that synced up and in some kind of program is completely new to me. And I was joking that some people either hire this out and they have someone come in, like a production team to come in to do this work, or other people it's like they've gone to school with this or they have a lot of background information and they know how to do it. Whereas our, we tend to just have that DIY mindset of we can do anything we want and we'll just figure it out as we go. Like we'll just use Google and YouTube to figure it out as we go. And a lot of that ends up being translate it into, the, I'll, I'll censor my phrasing here, but it's like, mess around and find out yeah, <laughs> mentality. That's what, that was your wording, right? Yeah. So it's like, we end up having to make the mistakes, figure out, oh, we shouldn't have recorded it like this, or oh, the, the audio sounds really wonky through this whole thing. And then you had to go back and try and retroactively fix that. Whereas a lot of people, other people, I feel like they're like, they have enough background knowledge around things that there's less of that mentality where we're just like, let's just jump in, we'll figure it out, and we'll we'll do a lot of the learning as we go. I think everyone does learning as, as they go, but we, I have found, we utilize that a lot. We just jump we in. We just dive in. Yeah, it's yeah. right to the deep end. I think that's a good example of all of us starting the business together was very much like, sure, why not? And then we dove, and then we do almost like a... Backstroke. or this like after action evaluation of like okay so let's evaluate uh what we need to tweak and change and that those evaluations have led to some great things but definitely that learned through trial and error and the the figuring it out as we go Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that's definitely our business model is is it is yeah (laughs) and that reminds me of our so before our first retreat we had a little trial run with Tina, Janae, and myself, and Tristan was there as well, mm-hmm. Tina and Janae's little sister and my cousin, and we had this idea that we would just cook everything over the fire, and it would... <laughs> that, that, that. <laughs> We would cook for 10 people with food cooked over the fire, and it would just be simple and easy, and I think we tried to cook hot dogs first or something. No, we were so extravagant, remember, or maybe, I can't remember if you were at because we did oh, when two. we did the pizza. When Tina and I did it, just the two of us, we tried to cook like a full-on pizza, scones, and like. Hey, the scones turned out decent. Not all of them, and they were burnt on the bottom. Remember that? And it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> and so it was like we wanted this big extravagant meal, and then it was like, okay, well, we'll just figure it out and do we're it. We're gonna piece these burnt parts <laughs> How off. How hard could this really be? And we didn't no, have we a lot start. of the equipment that you even need to do that properly. So we're using like 
a shovel handle to prop, <laughs> to pick things up and out of the fire and Sticks it was just madness. to lift the lids up. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, so definitely some trial and error and then that checking expectations after. I definitely think as a business that's been our model and I think that's part of the fun, but definitely different feelings from parts of the team around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first part of that question is what made you step into building a business? So I'd love to hear your guys's motivators of starting and doing it. Like what's what was the dream? Yeah. The the dream kind of all started with you, mom. You like had the dream builder. <laughs> she did. She had like I remember talking about it like when we were super little. Like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we like had these cabins that could do this? And it was like a whole family thing. And so we've been talking about it. I Tori and I were talking about it when I was like thirteen. Yeah, I actually, think, riding on the back a, of the horses. Taking a step back from that. Sorry, Tina, for interrupting. No, it's okay. It actually started with Tori's dad. Yeah. That the family potentially was going to come into some money, and he had this idea of having a retreat business with horses and what that would look like. And that's actually who started this conversation. So actually, I guess if we have give credit to someone, we'd have to give credit to Ryan. And then that led to more of a conversation around wanting to do the hypotherapy and do, you know, the, the therapy with the horses. And then the what would it look therapy? like? Yeah, the equine therapy and to and move that into a business. So it really started a long time ago with that conversation and then built over time as I have my own practice and my own license because I didn't even have that at the time I was in my master's program. So so yeah, for me, it if I was to say what made me step into doing business, I was already in a business, as we talked about in the first one. So some of that was easier, but the opportunity to have income heading into retirement for me was part of it that I wouldn't have to be working all the time, but we could do some weekend stuff or have something that was more passive income that we built and had some legs behind it. And then also the wanting to, I, I look at the, the talents and the know-how that we have and really feel like we have something to offer the community and wanting to share that. So for me, that was my step into the business. Yeah, so getting back to that, for me was, we've just always grown up talking about it and we were driving back from Tori's 21st birthday and it was like well we've always talked about this why don't we just do it and none of us really like having bosses because we're all very very independent women which I think comes from our family a lot so the idea of not having to answer to anybody else getting to put all of these amazing ideas and thoughts that we have into one collaborative thing being able to step in and do the equine therapy which we don't have yet but hopefully you know in the long run that's somewhere we go was definitely the big motivator and push for me and just getting out from under other people's ideas and thoughts and being able to be creative in our own thing so yeah that makes sense I definitely relate to that of wanting to have a more expanded range of how I'm working with people within the community and helping people within the community and having more options on not just doing yoga inside but we ran across a really great podcast called is it called the three-day effect Mm -hmm. so if you have I think it's only available through Amazon's podcast stuff so if you have access to or audible is it it's it's audible Audible, that's what it is which is owned by amazon but anyways so if you have audible and you have the chance to listen to the three-day effect that was a really big push for us to start our business of hearing some research around what are the healing benefits of being outside and 
how can we help people as we've all grown up we've been very outdoors outdoorsy type of family and we have a lot of background experience with that and so how do we make that more accessible to people who don't and part of that is let's take them on retreat let's show them how to build their tent let's show them how to that they can have confidence going on a hike how to use hiking poles and just kind of liberating them of being able to have that outdoor experience without needing all the gear and knowledge and know-how behind it how do you cook outdoors yeah (laughs) which I mean we've also learned a ton since we started too so it's been a growth on both sides but I think that listening to that podcast was the big click for me personally yeah like not only is this helpful but there's so much science and research behind that it's it deeply impacts your mental health Mm -hmm. and this was a really big push after covid of like how do we there's a mental health crisis in our area what options do people even have to get help and to feel better and how do we be a part of that yeah yeah, I definitely liked taking, like, that original dream and seeing the science that could happen behind it and listening to that podcast. It was super helpful to see, yeah, this really is a need and a basis, not just a thought that we've had. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tor? What made you step into being building the business? Originally, I kind of had the mindset of, like, we discussed a little bit earlier of the the glorified version of being an entrepreneur and setting your own schedule and getting to share what we love, the outdoors, with other people. And I'd say now it's evolved into giving the opportunity for couples therapy and individual skill building to a large amount of people for a price that most people can afford. And We also donate two scholarships per retreat, so for those that can't afford the full price, then they can pay the scholarship price, and really just making that accessible to all people, because it can be very expensive to do that without those kind of assistance things, and as well as it can be expensive and challenging to get into nature and start camping if it's something that you don't know how to do and you don't have the gear to do. So a combination of helping people get outside and helping people receive counseling skills and therapy. Yeah, like trying to just get into a counselor in our area, you're on a year-long wait list and trying to find a qualified certified couples therapist are in our area it's extremely slim pickings mm-hmm. so yeah that definitely makes sense of, of and, being it that is, and it is expensive too mm-hmm. i know a lot of people i've talked to that or want to do camping and they look at the cost of buying all the gear and then maybe taking one camping trip and deciding they don't like it or they don't know how and it can feel really overwhelming when you're wanting to get out and have those experiences. Along with also really scary, you're like, okay, so I'm getting this tent. How do I set it up? What does this look like? Where do I go in the area? bear attack every month, so what do we sleep on? How do we stay warm? And we... How do I cook food without just having hot dogs? Like, I remember one of our first retreats, people were like, oh, I thought we were just going to be having, like, hot dogs and hamburgers every night, not, like, Mm -hmm. nice Dutch oven meals. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we researched and experimented, and we try to provide the nicest um, supplies and comfy beds and 
warm toes and good meals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So next question, are we okay moving on? Um, yep. How do you define success around running slash managing a company? I feel like this has changed dramatically. <laughs> I, I do want to point out, this is part of the process that we've gone, to, gone through. So one thing we noticed as a collaborative was that we didn't know how to have a business together. There's a very big difference between we go up and do retreats and we have business meetings and set up a business, that those are really two parts of a business that we really, last year I think got really good at the first part and we're really developing the second part. So part of that is we decided to do the Dare to Lead workbook by Mm -hmm. Brene Brown, that we all read the book and that we've been working through the workbook and creating a business model and a business plan and a communication system around business that honors success for all of us. And so the definition of success has been part of that conversation about what does success mean. So I think success for us also means, first off, how do we honor how each other sees it and that we're not just successful in what we present to the public, but that we're in successful in how we show up for each other and how we show up as a business and represent ourselves as a business. So to me, there's two parts to that. Yeah, I would almost add on to that of like, we kind of developed how we work together when we're up on retreats. But even before that, it was like, how do we break the patterns of communication and roles that we've already built within our family? Because we definitely pulled family structures into our first, and we still do, we fall into it, but we're getting better at it. But it's like, we, when it was within the first year of us doing stuff, we definitely fell into those same patterns. And doing the Brene Brown work has definitely helped with resetting those. Yeah. Yeah, I also think, like, a lot of people, and I know we did at first, like, success was, like, how many bookings are we getting? How much money are we making? Are we even going to make any money? And just realizing that within the first couple of years of a business, you might not book out every single time, and it might be a fight to try and get people coming and feeling like you're not successful and maybe this isn't a good idea and finding different ways to find success throughout. So then we started looking at, okay, how many people are actually like going and looking at the website? And, oh, we got a post done today and it had this many likes or whatever. And trying to turn and focus our success on things that we actually had control over versus like, this is what we're hoping will happen. So I have control over, I did all my posts today or we got our curriculum set up or, you know, we're working on setting up our business. Like here's what's gonna happen when we eventually get to hire employees type of situation. And just, looking at that success as a business also and not just the outside stuff that you don't have control over. Yeah, I've really liked looking at it also from like a personal development. We can all list probably 20, 50 things that it's like, I didn't think I could do this or I had no experience of doing this when we before we first started. And now it's like, I'm doing things now that I thought was extremely difficult or impossible and I'm now making leaps and bounds with my professional ability skills that I've built and personal skills that I'm building. So that's also like a part of the success for business or me is even if we never end up building something massive or 
even if we don't ever get like those things, those areas that aren't within our control, like Tina was talking about, like financial things or booking things that it's like we need other people to step into, even if we don't ever get those, there's still so much growth and so much success in that growth that is valuable. And I think a lot of times we can be really wrapped up in what does it look like from the outside? Like, are people going to view us as failures because we're not reaching these quote unquote goals that a normal business should have and switching that mindset instead to an internal, like, what does it look like from the inside out? Like they don't see all the background work that we've done. They don't necessarily see all the growth that we've done just in how we communicate to each other and talk to each other. And those are big steps, I think. Yeah. I think the other piece of that, sorry, Tina, do you want to go first? No, it's okay, go ahead. Just to piggyback off of that, of the other part of that success is when we talk to our couples after retreat or at retreat and they tell us what they did learn from it or what they gained from it or the moments when they're checking in a year later and saying, you know, this did save my relationship or what I learned at the women's retreat has really led to more empowerment and understanding around myself. I do think those, we don't have control over those successes, but those are amazing successes. Or, or we're in retreat and we see a breakthrough in a couple or a person that changes their entire perspective and their mental health. Those are amazing moments that definitely mean a lot to me. Yeah, even mm-hmm. if it's just those small little glimmers, yeah. it's like, oh, that makes it so worth it. Like, I'm so happy that happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. It really is the small things that create overall success and validation that we are doing the right thing mm-hmm. yeah I love when uh, especially with our couples ones like you watch the couples come in and a lot of them are like really touching or super physical or intimate like you can feel that distance in the relationship and then at the end like they're sitting on each other's laps they're touching each other they're laughing more like there's a whole complete change in all of the couples and I that's one of my favorite things is I love watching them come in and then I love watching them leave with that total different sense of relationship and confidence in their relationship is a huge success point for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our original goals when we set our business like mission statement, it's changed slightly, but we're still hovering around the same goals, was help people deepen their connection with nature, their connection with themselves, and their connection with other people. And so any of those small moments where we can see that happen or help people do that, I think counts as success. Yeah and not taking in other people's thoughts and views. I think a lot of that, like getting stuck on the success of booking and money is a lot of people like just, and I don't think they mean it like in a negative way, but we take it that way. Like how many bookings do you have? How much money have you made? And like when you're starting out as a business, it's very slim most, Mm -hmm. you know, most of the time. And so learning how to define success for others or showing others other ways that we've been successful and not taking that, well, people are expecting me, you know, like what you said, people are expecting this and just learning, okay, they're just checking in around the business and we can tell them yeah, in other like, ways we've been successful. It's like, how do you change phrasing around yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Any other thoughts? You ready to move on to the next question? Cool. All right. How do personal barriers show up in the workplace relationships that you have? So Janae touched on this one just a little bit before, right? Wasn't it you that brought up how we are all related? 
So some of those personal relationships have definitely shown up in the business relationship and how have we worked around those and managed those. Yeah, I think that this could also apply to what weaknesses maybe have you seen pop up and how have you overcome those. Oh, okay. But I think it works for either one. Yeah, I was just also thinking as we've been doing our recordings today, how we're teaching all of these skills for our couples about this is how you should communicate with your couple, this is how you should communicate like this, and also through the Brene Brown, I've definitely noticed like a lot of defensiveness around criticism towards what I do, along with my perfectionist side really coming out and learning that everything doesn't have to be perfect and it's okay that it's not going to be perfect the first time you do it because then I tend to procrastinate. So just stepping into that and trying it along with how we communicate not just with couples or as a couple as we're learning that but how we communicate as a team and using those gentle startups and watching defensiveness and the horsemen and everything that comes with our couple stuff but also I feel like definitely applies to other relationships especially our business relationships. Mm -hmm. I read a quote that I actually wrote on a sticky note and put above my desk actually it says perfectionism is just fear in a fancier outfit and I 100% believe that like it is it's just fear and the defensiveness that we we talk about defensiveness is just coming up to cover our shame so it's like shame and fear are such big drivers for our behavior and how we talk to people as protection and being able to see how that might be Starting a business is like, let's put all of your insecurities on blast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's put it up on a billboard for everyone to pick at and see. And then we're going to talk with the people that have a lot of influence over your life about those insecurities. Yeah. And we're going to analyze the crap out of them. And we're going to talk about them every meeting. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So it's like, you want any kind of, if you want big personal development, start a business. Yeah. Learn how to become more (laughs) self-aware. It's so, yeah, it's like. If you're not willing to do that, I could see that becoming like a really toxic work environment or your business is going to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or maybe you just go into business by yourself and you don't have others. You still have to <laughs> overcome your personal barriers. I went into business by myself. I still have personal barriers that I've had to work around and overcome and talk through. And so, yeah, I think anytime you start a business, you're going to have to, you're going to learn a lot about yourself and what your strengths and your weaknesses are and being able to have a perspective around them not being weaknesses, but around them being challenges that you get the opportunity to overcome. I would say from my perspective between doing our collaborative business and running the my yoga business on my own, it is 100% harder on my own because I don't have anyone calling me out on it. Mm-hmm. I don't have anyone holding me accountable and I don't have the external motivation to push myself to try harder. and you really can just keep on doing your own BS. (laughs) Yeah, I guess maybe I should have rephrased that. Like, I feel like for some people, they're a lot better at that personal accountability piece. So maybe individual business would be better versus if you're a person that doesn't want to step into that vulnerability of having other people or your teammates critique you and give you some feedback and you're not wanting to work on that, maybe not a partnership is not a good idea. Is that a better... 
I didn't mean to invalidate your guys's. I don't think you invalidated. I think business. it was just a, a clarification around that experience. Okay. That mm-hmm. I've had experience with both. Janae's had experiences with both. Um, and what that looks like. Um, Tori, any personal barriers you want to share? Yeah, I find that shyness and insecurity is probably my biggest personal barrier in running a business especially when we're going on retreat because we want to create the best experience that we can for our participants and I find myself stuck in shyness in fear of saying the wrong thing or making an awkward statement when really that's just fear of vulnerability and when I do challenge myself to step out of my comfort zone and strike up a conversation with our participants is when I I get the most value and connection with our participants and with just people in general. And I think that, well, we've heard that it's intimidating to come on retreats for our participants because you are with a group of people that you don't know being led by a group of people you don't know. So I think it can be comforting to know that sometimes us as leaders also feel that way. And we're striving to make sure that our participants have a good experience. But we we understand the, would you call it fear? Uh, yeah, I would call it Hesitation fear. on putting yourself out there, especially in front of a group of people that you've never met before. Yeah, because we do it every time. We feel all of those same fears and same worries going into the retreats about, yeah. are they watching us? It's funny, we've done some really funny things that hopefully nobody sees us doing this. <laughs> and then we laugh about it after of like, why did that really matter that we needed to hide that we were putting water in the trailer or that we, what are some other ones we've done? Because we, I know we've done more than one that we're like, oh, don't tell right or we're trying to keep it a secret which is just funny because they show up vulnerable we're all showing up vulnerable and isn't isn't that the world in general we have to show up vulnerable and have the experience because that's what creates true connection and true growth if we we can't step into the fear and step into the vulnerability we stay stuck yeah i definitely think that goes back into that perfectionist like if we're not perfect then people are going to stop coming type of fear um Which is why I love that we roll into our mission statement, like, we are giving ourselves permission to completely show up messy, and we want you to do the same. Mm -hmm. If we're putting up a front, like, we're perfect, we have everything figured out, we never make mistakes, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, so that doesn't give them permission to do that either, and that can be so debilitating. I think we get afraid of, there's that walking that line of, you want to be able to show up vulnerable vulnerable and make mistakes and have messes come up as leaders, but you don't want it to look like you also don't know what you're doing or it's like you're so unorganized that it's going to be a disaster, you know? <laughs> it's finding yeah, that it's a fun balance. line. Yeah. So. Yeah, that reminds me of our first retreat when we had a moose come through our camp. <laughs> yeah. When everyone was trying to fall asleep. And we, <laughs> oh, no. we were pretty freaked out because... I mean, you two were pretty freaked out. I could have killed you both. Janae yeah. <laughs> and Tori were very freaked out. Yeah. And it was funny because that's something we can't control. And we woke up in the morning and laughed about it with all of our participants. And we, we had a good time kind of laughing about it, realizing that it wasn't a big, huge bear to come eat us. It was just a moose going to water. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it was so funny because I heard noises, and so then I'm, like, panicking, and I'm like, are we supposed to do something? Like, yeah. <laughs> there was one woman over in a tent all by herself, and it was in the direction that the noises were coming from. So then my brain is like, do we go wake her up? Do we go help her? I don't How know do we what we're supposed her? to do. And so then I got my headlamp out, and I'm, like, looking and scanning around, shining it right at her tent. <laughs> and this is late at night. <laughs> and, like, yeah, trying to search around for the danger. And uh, the next morning, I was like, did you hear those noises by your tent? She's like, no, I didn't hear anything, but why were you shining a light in my tent? <laughs> And I was like, I didn't know what to do. I was just trying to protect you. <laughs> no, you two are killing me. I was like, I have my car keys. I read up on this. If there's weird noises and things happen, I'm just going to hit the panic button on the car keys yeah, and it'll be fine. <laughs> it's those moments that you're like, I didn't. I didn't fully mentally prepare for this situation. Oh, yeah, see, yet. so I had done that. I'd done panic mode in, like, 2 o'clock in the morning and sat up and read through all of this information about what to do if a bear comes into your camp. <laughs> so I was fully ready. Well, once Tori said that it was a moose, I was like, okay, but moose are still dangerous. <laughs> yeah, and moose I'm are not, just as scary. I know less about moose than I do about the bears. <laughs> so, yeah, it is funny where it's like, it turns out being funny memories and things that we can laugh about and things that it was funny to laugh about with that woman and she had she thought it was hilarious she was like i was not worried i'm fine (laughs) it's like oh yeah sorry again we don't have to be the experts on everything yeah yeah we definitely have people that it helps them feel better to know that they can be counted on to be uh this is how we build a fire or them joking about how they protect from bear or whatever that looks like. It's been really funny. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have two people people in different camps. You have the yeah. people that's like, I want to know that you know how to take care of this because it makes me feel really anxious if, if I don't think that you know how to do it. And then you have the other people that's like, what you just said. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to be given the opportunity to, to step up and, and participate. Lots of pivoting. Yeah. Alright, okay. so next question. Yeah. Uh, what is something you have learned about yourself from being in a management position or from building a company? So something, I'll share with this one first because I laugh about this, that, so I'm a counselor, right? And I have a counselor brain. And so I have a view about what people know about emotions and what people know about the world of counseling. I There was just a good example of this my eight-year-old was saying something in the car and I stopped the car and said you are having thinking of errors and we will not have thinking errors in this car I need you to rephrase that into a different statement so so I have this very strong view about what it means to show up with emotions and words like empowerment and vulnerability and counseling words and that not everybody in the world has that same perspective or that same vocabulary and that same verbiage. And so I'm gonna pick on Tori a little bit that in one of our first meetings, I started talking about like resilience and shame and empowerment and and Tori says, wait, can we pause for a minute and can you give me either where I find the information or some definition around what all of that means? Because I think I need to have some understanding around that. So for me, something that I learned about myself was I make a lot of assumptions about how the rest of the world shows up in the world and that my profession or my education has skewed that for me and that I don't always take that into account for 
participants or family or other people that are around me. So that was definitely something that I learned about myself was that need to back check myself and check in on expectations and maybe gauge the room. Yeah, it's like that assumption of, oh, you don't already know this? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So, so that was something I learned about myself that, that I maybe have lost some perspective over time. And so understanding that Tina and Janae are my children, so they have heard me talk and things like that for a really long time. And so sometimes they don't always help correct my perspective on that. <laughs> well, no, because we grew it's just up natural for us. Yes. in it. So yes. then it just feels like this is normal. Yeah. I don't know about you, Tina, but I had to have a huge reckoning of that between me and my partner, where it's like he did not grow up in a family where emotions were talked about, where things were just freely, openly discussed of oh, let's, you know, break down what you were feeling in that moment or let's break down why you had this behavior or, you know, break down this fight that we had as a family and how can we do better and let's make a plan to change around it. It felt, and I'm projecting here, but from what I've seen currently and what he's told me about his past is it was more like something would happen or you'd have emotions it was your personal responsibility to figure that out on your own and then make change or you just couldn't have them and move forward and so then it was like if you weren't willing to have that personal growth and accountability around your behaviors and action then yes it would just be ignored and nothing would change but it was definitely less of a collaborative brain experience like it was with our family and that was something he had to really adjust to. He's like, you guys just openly talk about everything, and I just don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> it's super frustrating yeah. that they don't. <laughs> yes. so difference def- in perspective. Yeah, difference in perspective. So definitely for me, something I learned about myself for me in, in management, because I had already built a company, so management position was that needing to check my perspective or check my, not necessarily expectations, but check in with, I guess, my perspective of what's what's real what's not real based on other people's experience and now that I'm not I do that all the time in counseling in a different way so I do think as a manager I showed up in a different way around that than what I would as a counselor in a counseling office I wouldn't have those expectations of someone but as a manager I did and so that was something I learned about myself was that I definitely managed that in more of that master commander here's what I expect and here's what you should know and and in a different way i almost view that as just a shift in authority or relationship when you're showing up in a counseling session you're showing up as a position of authority on the subject you don't expect them to have the same amount of knowledge yeah but for me what it sounds like is when you showed up to those first few meetings you assumed we were all on the same level of knowledge and authority yes yes and the other thing I learned about myself as a manager, and we've had conversations around, is as the, the senior person on the team, and as family dynamics, if I did say something, it was really easy to step into that group think of everybody agreeing with me because I'm the person that's always been agreed with. And we've had conversations around how I'm not comfortable with that, so then I try and just not give my opinion because I don't want everybody to disagree with me. And then checking myself when I would just expect things to be followed because I said them and needing to step back into a more of a collaborative space. So I think those are the big, big parts of that management piece for me are uh, not necessarily working in a team because I do that all the time, 
but knowing what well, I guess I'm teaching around what roles are in a team but but so management for me would be I'm not going to give my opinion because I don't want everybody to follow it and then not expecting everybody to know what I know and have the same level of knowledge but having more collaboration or around that mm-hmm. so that is what I've learned about myself in management of this particular situation yeah I think I've learned how important safety within your team is and container building or rules and clarified roles on whose task, what task goes to who to really create unity in your company and going back to the safety aspect of it. I feel as though your people have to feel safe to be able to be vulnerable. So really everything stems from creating a safe environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, Tori. I feel like a lot of companies that I've been a part of before this, it was like whoever's at the top, what they say goes, and there's not that container building. It doesn't feel safe to bring up like issues that you have or suggestions for change. And I think that it's one thing to say we want to be different and it's okay to do those things. It's another thing to set up the actual tools and space and verbiage around, okay, but how do you actually do that? Mm-hmm. Because if you've never had experience doing that, you don't know how. You can say our intention is to have it be an open space where everyone can express their opinions, but how do you actually do that and not feel like you're stepping on people's toes or triggering people or falling into defensiveness and criticism? So that makes perfect sense to me that it's like, yeah, that safety piece is a really big really big piece of learning and growth. And for anybody that hasn't read Brene Brown's Dare to Lead, she talks about container building in that when you're having a meeting, regular meetings or just any meeting, that the beginning part of that is how do we make this container or the space that we're in a safe space and what do we need to support each other around that space, um, which is something that we did as a, a team and then we call out if there's times when we need to reevaluate the space or the container or what this feels like depending on what we're doing so just a bit of education as i've learned about myself as a manager we don't want to assume everybody knows what we're talking about Mm -hmm. um that that's what we mean with container building and we work on it consistently yes we do and we're always building new containers when things come up and it does take work and i agree i think anyone in a leadership position should read dare to lead by Brene Brown because it it really is life-changing if I could have wrote down everything she said in the book and plastered it on a big motivational wall (laughs) I would have because I I made a lot of printed out quotes just from that book yeah I honestly like after reading it I a wish I would have had a like a hardback or a paper you know like a physical copy because I just listened to it to be able to go through and highlight and make notes but then I also never go back and look at my notes, so I'm like, I don't know how beneficial that would have been or that's something I need to work on. But I also have recommended that my husband, he has started reading it to be able to use with his classroom management slash as a teacher, and he feels like it's super beneficial. So I don't even know if it's necessarily like starting a business, just if you feel like you're in more of a leadership role, highly recommend listening to it mm-hmm. or reading. Week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, anybody's leadership. Mm-hmm. And leadership, or you could be the leadership of your family. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
I feel like big things for me for this question of something I've learned about myself from being in a management position and building things is to trust in myself and then equally trust in other people. <laughs> yeah, Tina's laughing because it's something that we share. It's a quality that <laughs> we both are working on where it's like building the internal trust that I can do things and I can have confidence in my ability to do the thing. And then also once that piece is ready to be passed on to the next person, you have to be able to trust them and pass it on and let it go. That can be really, really hard. And I think that's something that I'm still learning how to do, but I definitely feel like I've gotten better at it. I also think the family dynamics coming into the business or it's like learning on retreat, especially our camping ones, it was like, oh, I don't know how to do this piece. I'll just go get Tina. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to do this, so I'm going to wait until Tina can come help me. And that has been a really hard habit to break. It's like, no, I'm going to use my own deductive reasoning skills. I'm going to use my own physical or internal strength, whatever it is, to try and figure this out on my own. And I don't need big sister to come help me. It's okay to ask for help, but it doesn't need to be the default or even the fear of making decisions. I remember one of the first times we brought the trailer up to our campsite the first time and Tina and I were like, just gnawing at our fingers of like, where do we put it? Like, I don't know. And we both had this feeling and I said out loud of like, I feel like no matter where we put it, mom's going to be upset. (laughs) It's going to be wrong. And it was wrong. (laughs) But the decision had to be made. (laughs) I think it's fine, but it's just like the decision had to be made. And we were the only ones there. And we made the best decision. We've never pulled up and parked a camp trailer before, ever. So that's where that quote of we did the best we could with the information that we had. And and just having the, you know, we're going to put it somewhere and it probably will be wrong. And that's okay. We'll get to learn and we'll get to make a decision the next time we do it. I think it's also not right or wrong. And I wasn't mad. It was maybe we could have had different suggestions, not right or wrong. There's really so very few things in life that are right or wrong, black and white, good or bad. It's a continuum. It also didn't help that we were trying to remove the trailer from where we'd put it in the middle of a giant rainstorm and it was muddy and... Yeah. Like, that just added everything. I just feel like the the resourcefulness that I have built within myself, one of doing these things up on the side of a mountain, no internet service. A lot of times Tina and I would go up just the two of us on the first day, and then we would be joined by the rest of the team. So then it's like you're trying to figure out all, all this stuff on your own. And when problems come up, we have to be flexible. We have to be quick thinkers, quick problem solvers. And I really feel like that's a strength that we have built where it's like someone's tire, we have a flat tire. We're two hours away from someone who can come help with a flat tire or get a new flat tire. And we're an hour outside of cell service. How do we fix this? And we did. And it wasn't that big of a deal. Like things like that where it's just mind blowing that we are able to pivot and find creative solutions. I feel like has been a really big growth. How about you, Tina? So for me, I think I've had two big takeaways. One is finding that trust in myself. So 
If anybody knows me that listens, I am rather bossy, that big sister role, right? But for some reason, stepping into that, like, management, I didn't want to be that over-controlling boss. So I feel like I've actually, in some ways, taken a step back from that and not as confident in myself. So, like, when I was doing research on the tents or the hiking poles or, like, all of the equipment that I did research in to get because that was my job, I was always second-guessing myself. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Oh, Tina, just make a decision. You're the one who's done all the research. You're the expert, quote-unquote, you know, in the situation between all of us. So finding that balance of not being overly bossy, which I know I have a tendency to do, but also finding confidence in myself and stepping into that, okay, I am, you know, the expert or whatever in this situation, have confidence in your choice and it'll be what it is. And if it's not, it flunks, it flunks. If it's great, it's great. And we'll roll with it along with feeling like I don't like delegating tasks I feel like everybody is busy and so when I ask other people to do something or they have this task and I feel like they're going to start to feel overburdened and overwhelmed, I tend to step in and be that mother hen caretaker, okay, what can I do, what can I take off of you type of situation along with also doing that for myself and asking for help. I don't ask for help. I don't want to burden others. So finding that balance of not stepping in and taking care of others, letting them express how they're feeling and then stepping in to help if they need it, along with asking for help. Mm -hmm. Those are two things when I first started working with a team that I learned were that if you make a decision as a team, even if you don't fully agree, you have to say, I can live with it. And then you don't bash the team after, you don't come out, you don't make comments because you were in the meeting, you made the decision together and you live with it. And the other part of that is when as if you assign a task to someone and they do it, that you don't get to then say, well, I don't agree with how you did that. Let me do it another way. You have to fully jump in and support because the moment you said, I trust you to do this task, it means you have to be okay with how they did it. And you have to show trust to the end in that. Yeah. And like the beginning of that, like yeah. that was a lot of pressure because like tents and cots and sleep, like that's a yep. big part of, so yeah, learning to step into that with big things very early on was, it was a big learning experience yeah. for me. The checking expectations and conversations have to happen before that point, not after that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are we good for the next one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so how has being a woman impacted relationships and starting a company? I think I look at this one for myself as a woman, and I feel that being a woman is what makes the company amazing because the strengths that we have in communication and tenacity and feeling empowered. We also have a lot of family stories around strong women, strong people women, and that generations of women have been strong and held up to challenges in our family and the expectation around those stories and those those family stories, and I know Janae and I've talked about this in previous podcasts, is that we are strong women who overcome things. And so I do think being a woman was a benefit and not a drawback at all And I don't feel like there has been any pushback on being a woman business owner for myself or as part of Hilltop in that, I mean, we do work with men and women and I don't have never felt condescended to by any of the men that show up to the retreat or any of the women. I think there's been a lot of respect around us being women business owners. So I feel like for me, that's been a very positive thing and I haven't felt negative around that. I do think the relationships of being women, I know there's that 
the stereotype about like being catty or uh, bossy or I don't know whatever stereotypes come with being a woman and I do think we've overcome that by doing the dare to lead and stepping into the vulnerability and having conversations around how parts of our personality not necessarily our gender show up around a business and and I don't know that that would matter what our gender was those are still parts of our personality and that we've worked around and been honest and vulnerable about that and turned them into strengths yeah I would say the how has being a woman impacted starting a company is less of a thing for me than it is for the age that I was at when we started the company yeah I don't think I've ever felt judgment from a from someone asking about the company or from someone that's been on retreat with us around being a woman, but I have definitely felt it around being the age that I'm at. Whether it's genuine surprise and acknowledgement of like, wow, that's amazing that you're doing that, or sometimes it's like not direct, but hinted around of like, you're the one doing this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, are you like, really put together enough to do this? Did we make a mistake? It's almost like we've just been, when we go to meet people on retreat, it's like we show up and we're introducing ourselves. And it's almost like sometimes there's a feeling in this space that's like, who else is coming? (laughs) Uh, Who else is, and sometimes that's relieved because a lot of times Penny's the last one to join us. And we're like, yeah, she's coming. We're still waiting on our counselor. She'll be here soon. And then when you get out of the car, they're almost like, oh, okay, I feel more comfortable now. The old one has arrived. (laughs) Not even necessarily that, because I, like, even, so our first one, it was just Tori, Janae, and I that went up, and yeah, there was lots of that, you guys are all too young, blah, 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 but even then, like, after, even when mom gets out of the car there, I think they're all still really shocked that we're all as young as what we are. You are a little bit older, but still, like, I think they're expecting, like... I don't know, like 50, 60 year old people? I don't know. I have no oh, idea what they're expecting, but it's not us. Yeah, not it's us. It's not three little blonde <laughs> girls coming up. <laughs> I find a lot of surprise too when they find out that, not that we keep it a secret, but when people make the connection that we are all related. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I wouldn't say it's overall negative, but it's kind of shock, I guess. Yeah. When people, but they go, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, like that fits. In a way. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times it slightly shifts their perspective of things. And in a way that it's like, we can't control that. And it's not, like you said, it's not necessarily in a negative way. It just, you can, you can see how they're putting the pieces together. Yeah. And like, oh, okay. <laughs> I think their initial reaction is, we feel it comes across as negative especially because we've had some of that oh so mom's in charge and then you guys all are just like the minions the minions mm-hmm. yeah and then we always get compliments towards second day to the end of it is amazing what a, a team you guys are and how you each have your separate roles and how that works out we've gotten a comment with that with every retreat of mm-hmm. how we each step into our own powerful role and our own strength and how that's so appreciated that that's how it's ran in the, in the retreat business. It always ends up being a compliment. We've been explicitly asked on, like, day one, like, who's in charge? Mm-hmm. Who's making the decision? Like, things like that. And it's like, well, it depends on the area. We all have our separate roles. If it's a yoga thing, I'm the end-all say-all on that. If it's a, for instance, like, a curriculum or how we're teaching thing, then that would be Penny, for example. So, like, 
it really just depends and trying to explain that to people they don't yeah and they really don't get it until like the third day because you can still feel like when we're first up there and even like day one day two they're still referring a lot to mom or to you Janae because you're leading the yoga Mm -hmm. um so you guys are most of the time telling them what the schedule looks like so for Tori and I it almost just seems like we're there just to like move do all the moving pieces thing and they don't ask us for like direction and stuff like we don't know what's going on when we do but normally by the time partway through the second day third day it's shifted i should feel like that also shifted because we do a uh here's what everybody's role is and what time we're going to do it and that's something that the participants see and we see and i think they see that as wow everybody there are a lot of moving parts that the participants don't see that everybody is participating in the whole time so i do think being transparent about that as a business has been important in helping people see all of the different roles and functions that are happening behind mm-hmm. the scenes yeah. kind of thing but get, to get back to the women aspect of it for me especially the last retreat that we went to camping one was the woman's one and I actually took the trailer up by myself and just a lot of shock and awe from a lot of the women that I would do that by myself without a man or really even any other person was a little bit but like why can't I do it like just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I can't pull a trailer and park it and do these things by myself so there was that aspect of it and uh, yeah I think a lot of like well you're doing all this camping stuff by your like there's no men what happens if the tire goes flat or what happens if this goes flat so I definitely think there has been some of that just more of I think the fact that we're doing camping stuff but and not more from the women's retreat yeah. than it has been from the couples retreat it's more shock yeah. from the women yeah, yeah. yeah. surprised I hadn't thought about this this moment but definitely mm-hmm. that more shock from women about women than mm-hmm. the other side of that which yeah. makes me almost feel like it's such an awesome way to role model like you can be doing this too mm-hmm. right yeah. it's it's a mindset thing not a ability or gender thing i feel like the same thing happens for women who do like solo traveling yeah yes yeah that's a, a good point too. yeah definitely a lot one. yeah mm-hmm. more of that from other women for yeah. sure yeah. Yeah. What about for you, Tori? I think you all have worded it very well. And I don't feel direct negative connotations towards being a woman running a business. And I think, Penny, you worded it perfectly at the start, that it's actually a benefit to all be women. Mm-hmm. From the communication aspect. I think all of the aspects, honestly, communication, empathy, support. Multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is some kind of connection between women, and when that is embraced, it can be really beautiful, and I think we embrace that well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and well said. Yeah. That's sisterhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, instead of everybody always pointing out the negative side effects of having a whole bunch of women together, like they're catty and, you know, all the yeah. stereotypes that you mentioned. But when you really get a group of women together that can work well and cohesively, it is a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. And pull, be a part of. We pull of. out the best in each other, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've learned to do that better and better each time we. Agreed. Each time we go on a retreat or even each time after our weekly meetings where it's like, oh, I, you know, you glean a little bit more information. You learn a little bit better yeah. each time. 
This episode is sponsored by Hilltop Wellness. Hilltop Wellness is a retreat and event company based in southeastern Idaho, and they provide online courses, weekend retreats, and day events for personal development and couples therapy. Hilltop Wellness invites you to join them on a healing nature retreat this summer. You can get more information at www.hilltopwellness.net, and the link will be in the show notes for that website as well. So thank you, Hilltop Wellness, for sponsoring this episode. So we're on just the quick back half of our episode here, and we're going to go into our segment called It Takes Two to Tango. It's basically about how other people impact your behavior or how other relationships, how other people impact your relationships. So our question today is, what boundaries did you have to set and work through around work-life balance? And this is something Janae and I answered in episode one, so Tori and Tina are going to spearhead this one for us. Yep. Personally, time boundaries for myself and knowing what time I need to be done working to feel put together in my personal life. I would say that's the main thing that comes up for me. I definitely think, so for me, I'm always like, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then I get distracted with things because I don't have an office with, like, home life stuff, or I'm sucked into a really good book, so having set hours of when I'm going to be working on the business and boundaries for with me and with my partner, like, he's like, well, let's go do this or whatever, and I'm like, no, like, this is my set time. I'm doing this stuff for the business. Definitely was important along with I had another thing in my brain just forgot (laughs) (laughs) dang it it was a good thing too well I guess I have a side comment on that you can think about your other one so I think that something that I like that you said that there's boundaries around still putting in the time that you're doing it because all of us still work full-time jobs Mm -hmm. so (laughs) this is not I don't like to call it a side hustle but it is a side business that we are adding on our work hours already on top of our 40 or 50 hour days Tina and I are also full-time students so it's like this is a passion project for us we really want to have it be successful and grow but also it's like how do you budget your time around putting enough energy into the business that you feel like it is growing in the way you want and you're completing tasks that you want to be held accountable for for the team but then also like what Tori was saying how do you not put so many hours into it that you're burning yourself out and it's taking away from the other aspects of your life that's a huge thing to balance when it just in general but then it's really big to balance when it's our we all have full-time jobs on top of it so Yeah, so my other point was where we are all family, making sure that when we're together, we don't just talk about business. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like we can fall into that a lot in checking ourselves. I feel like we've gotten better about that. There's definitely times where we haven't, and then, like, it just turns into, like, a whole business discussion versus being able to shut that off and not go to business conversations in Mm -hmm. like when we're doing family things and personal things. Yep. Yep. That's a good one. I also have to make sure I prioritize spending quality time with my partner on days when we have a meeting later in the evening, those few hours in between 
working during the day and then our our evening hilltop wellness meeting make sure that I'm fully attentive to him and that we do get quality time throughout that day and I know that it's important for him to have that quality time so just make sure I'm also present in the those moments as well mm-hmm. yeah or else it can feel like I just did a full day of work into a, an evening of work then going to sleep and I'm not going to have that connection time with my partner until the next day Mm -hmm. and that's really hard and sometimes if you miss that connection time it can leak into the next day with some resentment and distance and it can be easy to fall into being disconnected Mm -hmm. yeah I think just a plug for all of our partners and the amazing support that they have given us we're learning the balance and learning the business and sacrificing time and and for all of them seeing the dream that it is I don't know side hustle I like that you're like I don't know if that's the right word to me like that developing business as we're developing a business and also working full-time that all of them see the vision and the support and are willing to invest in our dream in in the way that they do that because I don't I, you don't go into this alone and we all have that back backstops and back supports and to give a shout out to our partners who are that for us mm-hmm. and how much appreciation we have around that and if you are starting a business recognizing you don't go into that alone mm-hmm. that there's a whole support system behind that yeah that, for sure I'd, that is important I'd be a hot mess without my hubby yeah. so and if your partner is starting a business also a good job to you for being that person to support and, and step into that role that I'm sure isn't easy I haven't had the opportunity to step into that role as I've been the business owner but I I so appreciate my partner and all the ways that he shows up for me as I've done that mm-hmm. yeah it's like how do you balance being supportive while also not feeling like resentment towards the business towards it taking time or even the fear that comes up around it like Mm -hmm. we don't have a huge amount of stakes but there is I was trying to explain this to my partner actually where he was like well I mean worst comes to worst like what's the worst thing that could happen like you haven't it's not like you have a significant financial investment that is going to ruin you or anything and he was trying to say that to comfort me like the worst thing that could happen is this and I was trying to explain to him, it was like, it's not even the financial or even the time that has been put into it, but it's just like the dream, the confidence that you put into yourself of like, no, I can do this. To have that, going back to our first question, obliterated, obliterated. it's so painful. It's like, it's not the cost or the high stakes of financial stakes. It's the emotional stakes yeah. of that. And, and if you've never stepped into that and if you've never taken the vulnerability and the bravery to have to do that yourself, I don't know if you fully understand what that's like. Yeah. Trying to explain that to him was difficult. Yeah, and I would say for my partner, he has had to ask the financial questions because the financial backing for the business has come from my other business, right? Mm-hmm. And so for him, he has had to ask those questions around what does this look like? Does this impact us? How does this impact us as a family? And a lot of reassurance for him around what that looks like and the trust that financially I have things balanced. So I I do think there's that emotional piece, which I think he's a little better at, maybe not better, but he is good at understanding because he's watched me do it with the other business, but that the financial piece for this one is different. Mm -hmm. So definitely appreciate his support around that and his understanding around that. 
And it would be fun if we could convince them to do a podcast and you could listen to what is it like to be the support behind the woman <laughs> as they build their business. Be because it would be, a, yeah, it would be an interesting perspective of the experience that they're having as they're going through that. Mm-hmm. A completely different side of things for sure. Yeah. All right, we're ready to spin the wheel. Who wants to go first? I'm just right here. Don't all jump at once. <laughs> oh, I got a nine, so it's an odd number. What am I doing? Uh, what, what do you do to take care of your body during work hours? <laughs> uh, this has been one of those battles for me about work-life balance that I have been trying to figure out and currently still figuring out. So I have started doing yoga with Janae and the gratitude practice Tuesdays and Thursday nights, uh, which has helped immensely. I have definitely been feeling tight and stressed in my body along with now that it's nice outside. I have uh, made it a goal to start getting out and walking my dog every afternoon on my lunch break in between my other job. So that's how I'm trying to implement that. Awesome. Nice. All right, Tor. Oh, another odd number. Okay. <laughs> what do you do to take care of your body during work hours? I try to use my stand-up desk as much as I can. I find myself not able to hold a supportive posture for my neck and shoulders if I'm sitting all day. Definitely using my stand-up desk and reminding myself to stretch and raise my arms above my head, move my shoulders around, and when my body needs a break away from the desk, I work in an office, so I get up and I walk around, get some water, look at the weather, and then that helps mentally as well go back to the desk, feel refreshed, and ready to get back to work. Yeah, so taking giving yourself permission to take breaks and step away. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm curious how everyone takes care of your bodies when we're on retreat. That's hard, <laughs> right? I, Does it happen? <laughs> I do think that's a, that's a conversation we have, and sometimes I get in the door after retreat, and I just, like, burst into tears, and so I think my partner is expecting that need to take care of me. Uh, because it's a lot. It's a lot of emotion. It's, it's a lot of holding a lot of expectations and and wonder and worry. And um, so I think some things I have found to take care of my body when I'm on retreat is taking a walk away if we need to, if we're outside. If we're in, I do still try and take a walk or I'll go to whatever space we have if we're in a cabin retreat, go to the room, um, making sure to take time to take my medication, making sure to drink water definitely taking time to stretch one of the places we use with a cabin retreat has a massage chair and I take a turn in the massage chair at least one time while we're there and and I think the supportive team that I have if I do need to take a break or I like disappear into a space you guys run interference really good for me if people need things that they're like I you know take a minute or uh what do you need penny for maybe can hold off for a minute and ask for that in a minute or is that something um, we can step into and yeah. answer for you so i do think awesome supportive team around that for me yeah i find myself using advil and ensuring that i take advantage of all of the yoga sessions they really help throughout retreat yeah yeah when we're doing our couples massage night 
I like that because Tori massages me, (laughs) (laughs) which is helpful. One thing that we had to set a boundary around is, I don't know if Tori falls into this, but Tina, Penny, and I all function on nighttime hours. Like we, it hits like nine o'clock and I notice in my own body, I start peaking. I start going back up. And so that can lead to us staying up until three, four in the morning, having conversations, figuring things out. And then you have to be up at six to start prepping things for the next day. And it's like, we did that quite a few times. And then it was like, okay, we need to have a hard boundary around this. And that was something that's like, I am so grumpy, mean, emotional, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if I don't have enough sleep. And so recognizing that that wasn't a personality trait of mine, I started thinking that I was just an angry person. (laughs) I'm like, nope, it's not. I'm just tired. Yeah. So it's like giving permission to go to bed when we need to go to bed and saying we can table this for another time. I think is a big one for me. And then I notice that being able to step away or step outside of whatever circle our participants are in. Because if, I don't know if this is something you guys experience, but I feel like when you're in that leadership position, I feel like people are constantly watching me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so being able to step away, or as Penny said, like go into another room if we're at one of our cabin retreats or go into our tent or take a walk if we're in the mountains. And just the feeling of relief when it's like, oh, okay, I don't have to be Janae yoga teacher. I don't have to be Janae leader. I don't have to be Janae in charge and know the things. I can just release and relax. <laughs> For like even if it's just a few minutes but it's like people aren't looking at me people aren't expecting anything of me right now and I can just let go mm-hmm. that's a big one for me yeah when we have downtime I try to make sure I use it as downtime and not huddle and decompress with the team mm-hmm. but take the hour or so just for myself and relax and take that because it, it can be a lot to be kind of in the spotlight all weekend mm-hmm. yeah Tina how about you on retreat what do you do for you <laughs> I take lots of deep breaths how about that that's great I think that's a great um, answer yeah I just feel like and I know I've kind of put myself into this because I want to be a part of the teaching role and the leader role and not just in the kitchen but taking that on and being the one who's in charge of the meals I feel like I'm either teaching or I'm helping meal prep or doing the meals or I'm getting asked, okay, so what do we need for this next meal or this, which I'm totally okay with. Like I love cause I don't want to give up uh, either of those, but I feel like there's less time or at least there has been. I know the last couple of retreats we've tried to work that in. And so I've been getting a little bit more of a break. And so I do walk and stretch And if I don't have that time, if I'm in the kitchen area by myself, I just make sure and like take a minute and like grab something to ground myself and just do some deep breaths to take that time for me. Cause I'm like, okay, it's fine. You've got 30 seconds. Just do some deep breathing for you. But I do appreciate us as a team building some time in around that. Or you guys coming up to ask me, you know, you look, you're like, what can I do for you so you can go take five minutes? Mm -hmm. Or if you're like, what do you need? I just need five minutes to go brush my hair and brush my teeth. Because that's a real thing that happens in my world on retreat days. So 
yeah, I, I guess accepting the the help is a boundary for me. Yeah. To And uh, giving myself permission to take that space and not always having to be on. All right, rapid fire. Ready, set, go. I'm going to ask you all, what's a quick best memory on retreat that you want to share? <laughs> or maybe a funny incident. <laughs> I have one already, so you guys can think. My funniest thing was we were trying, it was our first time taking the trailer up on our camping retreat, and we needed to be able to put more water in our water holding tank, and we didn't have a pump. And so I was back there (laughs) trying to, you know, figure out with the jugs that we had if there was a way to pour the water from the jugs into this hole that's like, just the angles was weird, and so there wasn't a whole lot of water happening. And Tori just kind of, I can't remember if you communicated what was happening, but she just disappeared. And then she came back with, like, she had cut a Tupperware and rolled it into a funnel, found pliers, and pliered holes into the side of it, and wired it together. (laughs) (laughs) It was incredible. And she was like, all right, let's try this. And we did it, and it was... It, it wasn't was, perfect. It was not but... perfect, but it was definitely better, and it got the job done. And it was just so funny because I almost felt like, we can't throw this away now. We have to, like, <laughs> keep this as a memorial of, like, our ingenuity and our tenacity. And I was like, we could have given up, but it was like, Tori was like, we're just going to MacGyver something together. And we totally <laughs> made it work. But what was so funny about that was we had a participant that we didn't know their group was over. And he heard us giggling behind the trailer. And he, like, walked around the side. And Tori and I are, like, covered in dirt and mud and water. I'm holding this giant jug of water trying to pour it into the trailer. She's holding this funnel a good portion of the water's falling onto half, the ground probably half the water <laughs> and he peeks his head around and we both just like deer in the headlights look up oh. at him and we're like look away <laughs> 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 yeah it was uh, like that is one of my favorite memories for sure so far it was just so funny <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah I can think of a lot of really funny ones, of funny moments where you're like, oh, okay, and things that have caused us to change our uh, policies and procedures around some things that have happened. Um, But one of my, I think, favorite moments from retreat is one of our, I I don't remember, I think it was the women's retreat, we were doing uh, sunrise yoga, and as the sun is coming up in the morning and everybody is in... I think we were in Savasana or we were in, I'm not, I think that's the pose we were in. But the, so the sun is coming up and it's beautifully peeking over the trees and we have these wolves howling across the river. And it was just such a beautiful moment of hearing nature and feeling nature and the river is rushing and, and, and you could feel everybody's calm and peace of waking up and being in nature and having, and, and just having that connection that I loved that I will, will cherish that moment forever of of what an almost spiritual moment that was of peace and grounding and connection yeah, uh, for beautiful. me and for the whole group yeah that's nice my favorite moment is a lot less meaningful I guess than Penny shared <laughs> well mine was a funny funnel story so <laughs> but we had done our first winter retreat and we wanted to take participants snowshoeing or cross-country skiing, and Janae was the oh, only one no. of us. <laughs> Not this story. 
Janae was the only one of us who had cross-country skied, and she also had her own skis. So, two participants rented <laughs> rented skis, and Janae <laughs> took them on a guided ski trip, and I only had snowshoes, so I kind of went off by myself and snowshoed. And when we met back up, I said, how did it go? And Janae said, oh, it went fine. And then later that night, in private, she explained to me that it did not go fine. She had gone down a hill and ran into our <laughs> ran into our participant at the bottom of the hill and then it was kind of a, another pile on as the participant behind her then ran into the pile of her and the other participant so madness. I don't know if I've ever laughed that hard <laughs> in my whole life Every time we tell that story, I have to try really hard not to, like, laugh so hard that it makes me cry. Yeah. It's so funny. And just, I've, that day, I felt shame, I felt embarrassed, I felt awful, I felt like, and it was also funny, like, it was just such a weird combination of emotions where I was like, this just, it went horribly wrong. (laughs) And I felt like, oh man, this is so bad, like what a great leader I am. I'm going to plow into someone on skis and take them out. And, um, yeah, just now it's just funny, but definitely in the moment I was like, I did so bad. It's so bad. And it's, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good memory. Too. Yeah. I feel like we talk about this one a lot and I'm never the one to bring it up. Cause I feel like I've actually <laughs> you removed it. blocked it out of my memory. And you can, tell the story so much better than I can retell it, but if you want to hear funny. the full version of that story, you'll have to come on retreat with us because it's a long one. It is. <laughs> it is a long one. And I you tried need to, to be summarize able to it. see my hand gestures yeah. <laughs> and facial expressions. Yeah. To be so able much. to get the full appreciation of that story. So you'll have to come on retreat to hear that one. <laughs> but it's a good one. Oh gosh. I've been sitting here trying to think of a favorite. It's so hard. There's so many good experiences. Uh, Does it have to be from a retreat, specifically? No, it can just be about the business. Uh, I think one of my favorite experiences so far is when you and I went up and just did the whole camping experience by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, A, it was only the second time I'd ever been camping without mom or grandma, so that was (laughs) secondly terrifying. And then um, just like, yeah, the learning how to cook over the fire and us laughing, and then that bird dive-bombing our heads. It was so spooky. And I just feel like it was a really good bonding experience for us and you and I have always been super close and then we got married and moved away and you know distance and change and I felt like we had definitely grown apart a little bit not you know a whole ton but definitely not what we were and I definitely feel like that was one thing that has started to bring us back closer together and it was an experience that I will cherish forever yeah me too it was awesome, and also just so many funny moments from that one, too. Yeah, <laughs> it was an adventure. It was definitely one of those where that uh, big sister-little sister relationship really came out, where I was like, well, how do we do this? And you're like, I don't know. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to know. How are we going to cook the pizza and hold it on there? My hand's <laughs> getting burnt. 
wild. Yeah, it was funny. But also really cool, like, just being out there. We were, there was no one camping around us. It was just so quiet. And mm -hmm. it really felt like we were alone in the whole world. And it was just, it was just the two of us. And, it was and my dog. Really cool. Oh, yeah. And Tom. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. That was a really cool experience. Yeah. Well, all right. That is the end of our show. We hope you really appreciated the difference in perspective, maybe appreciated getting to hear some new voices if you're tired of Penny and I's only voice. So we definitely appreciate not only you listeners for joining us, but also thank you for Tina and Tori for taking the time to come on the podcast and share your experiences and share your thoughts and vulnerability around these topics. So thank you so much for coming. We want to remind you that we have a Patreon, which if you want some bonus content that goes along with every episode, you can head over to Patreon and check that out. And honestly, this might be a, just a fun one to share with someone, whether you have someone that's trying to start their own business or you have someone that's going through some funny family dynamics or if you just want to send someone a good laugh about <laughs> about people plowing into people for skiing um you know share the episode and yeah i think that's it do you guys have any final things you want to say no nope. all right well Thanks we'll catch joining. you next time bye bye bye